Bhagavad Gita is a book of mankind's collected experience of and answers to life's most basic questions. Who I am? From where do I come? What is my purpose and destiny? And most practically, how do I find happiness? These podcasts originate in the lectures of Neil Bhatt, a disciple of Swami Chinmayananda. They are presented here in 20 to 30 minute segments, each covering three of the Gita's 701 verses. Welcome to Gita Wisdom for Daily Living. We had been discussing chapter 6, Dhyana Yoga, Yoga of Meditation. And we have so far seen that the goal of life is to find happiness. And that happiness can only come if we become detached from our attachment to this world of objects and beings. But we still have to work in this world, and therefore the simple definition given of a person who has achieved that detachment, whether you call him a yogi or a sannyasi, is anasritaha karma phalam karyam karotiya. One who act in this world without depending on the fruits of actions. He is acting, but he is not dependent on what will come out of my actions. That anxiety is not there. One who has achieved that state of mind control, he is a yogi or he is a sannyasi. That's a simple definition of yoga. When he says to achieve that state, obviously you have to go through several disciplines and practices. And all this is all about controlling your mind. Because all that we consider a happiness or unhappiness, sorrow or pleasure, is all a mental state. That mental state is controlled, then we can control whether we are in a happiness or unhappiness state. So the practice given is called meditation. This meditation is not just a physical act of sitting down, cross-legged and focusing on some idea, but regulating the entire life. So we have seen the prerequisites of what needs to be done. It's a one who is regulating his life in all aspects. He does not eat too much. He does not eat too little. He does not sleep too much. He does not sleep too little. And even in the activities that he does not exert himself too much. In other words, everything in moderation. All that really means is you only apply the appropriate amount of efforts and not too much, not too little. You are tightening a bolt. If you tighten too much, it's a problem. If you don't tighten enough, it's too much. Only time it works perfectly is when it is appropriately tightened. So every activity of our life should be regulated to a point. But then your mind has to be focused or controlled. And how do we control mind? And we have learned that the very nature of the mind, very definition of mind is, mind is nothing but a flow of thoughts. Mind is like a river. Water does not make a river, but a flowing water in one direction makes a river. So mind is nothing but the flow of thoughts, in our case many directions. 
So these thoughts which are right now are channelized into many channels. Those each channel thinks that there is at the end of the channel there is happiness. You know. That these channels, if we channelize to one particular point where we think the happiness really lies, in our scriptures it lies within yourself. So that exercise of reverting your mind's flow of thoughts from outward to inward is called meditation. To practice that, we have been given a prescription and detailed instruction. Find a place, sit down, sit down erect so there is no discomfort in your body. There is no discomfort in the environment around you. And then focus your mind onto yourself. That peace which you experience during that inward journey is yourself. And as the meditators of all ages have said, once you experience that peace, you will like to experience that over and over again. And then with that constant practice, you reach a point where that peace becomes permanent. So the last thing we have seen is that Yada viniyatam tittam atmaniyavavatishtate. When the mind rests in the self only, once the mind found its final destination, where the peace lies, it does not want to go anywhere. If somebody says, Where do you want to buy a house in Richmond? and everybody says, Where? West End. Once I've decided the West End is the right place to buy a house, I'm not going to look around in Mechanicsville or in a Chesterfield because I've already decided that right place to find a house is in West End. So once the mind decides that the real resting place where the peace is, is in myself, it will not go anywhere else. It's just the very nature of the mind. So it says, once that mind is rest in self, free from longing, all the kamas were up till now were for what? For happiness. Everything I have done since I understood who I am till last night or this morning is to get happiness, to feel happy, to get peace in life. And this peace is so elusive, more you go after it, it's like a mirage more you go after it, more it runs away from you. And that, once you find a place where it is not a mirage, then you will establish in that. So you see, once you establish in that, there is no longing of all objects and desire, then it is said, he is united. That yuktaha, we are like the lost children. We are lost in this Sansar, this Mela, and we are seeking our own place where our family or where we came from. So that place, when we get united, we find peace. A child will lost in India festival and is crying profusely. No matter what you tell him, give away chocolate, nothing works. Till find my parents. As soon as he finds his parents, nothing can attract him but that peace when you find. After that, there is nothing else you will look for. So, our nature is peace, and therefore we are seeking peace. If our nature was not peace, we wouldn't be seeking peace. You know. 
my nature is health, therefore I'm seeking health. So anything happens, I run to the doctor, run to water and say, fix me quickly, as quickly as you can. Everybody says this antibiotic, read about antibiotics and all the perils of taking antibiotics. The first thing I go and ask my doctor is give me the antibiotics as quickly and as powerful as possible. Why? I want to get rid of whatever that is not health as quickly as possible. Because my real nature is health. My real nature is not unhealth. So I am always seeking what my true nature is. My true nature is peace. And everything else in this world is giving me unpeace. And once I unite with that peace, I am considered yuktaha. The simile used is just as in a windless room, the flame of a lamp does not flicker. It remains steady. The mind of a yogi, one who has united with that self, where he found that eternal peace, it does not flicker. Because he does not have any other thought where else to find happiness. He already found it. Yatra uparavate tittam niriddham yoga sevaya Yatracha eva atmana atmanam pasyan atmani tushyade. So when the mind restrained by the practice of yoga attains quietude by when seeing the self by the self he is satisfied by the self. All we are seeking all our life is some satisfaction, some peace. We tried everywhere else, but it was never complete. It may come for a, for a while, as I said, BMW, BMW, BMW. As soon as I get that, the key of my first BMW in my hand, a complete peace in my mind. No agitation. All that I wanted to achieve, I finally got it. In the next moment, the agitation starts again as soon as he tells me what the insurance would be for this guy. But once I found that peace, where? In the self, by the self, satisfied by the self. So, yogi, once he practices this yoga to find his peace, and he found it, he is now satisfied. That the final state. So the, this four verses which we are looking at basically describe yoga. What yoga is all about. Because we have this whole notion about yoga, sitting down in a lotus position. Those are all the practices to control your body, mind and intellect. All agitations are coming to me in my life is through my body, mind and intellect. Either my body is not healthy the body is very healthy, but mind is not healthy, mind is okay, but ideas are not coming, the intellect. Once those are controlled and the peace comes, then I am a yogi. Sukham atyantikam yattat buddhi grahyam atindriyam vetti yatrana chayevayam sthitah chalati tatvataha this is like somebody who has gone to Hawaii and is explaining the joy of being in Hawaii. He said, I had been to all these different destinations for vacation. He said, no, no, Neil, forget about all of that. You just go to Hawaii one time and that's the end of the story. You wouldn't like to go anywhere else. He said, are you serious? What is that like? So he explained and said, when you go there, they have all these things. And after that, 
you never have to take a vacation anywhere else. Sukham Atyantikam Yattad. When a yogi feels infinite bliss, one who has experienced this bliss in his meditation, he said that's infinite bliss. That bliss is not something which comes and goes. So what we worry about is this is too much trouble in the first place. First place, I can't wake up early in the morning, as everybody says, that you should do. Then I have to sit down in a, a particular place. Then I have to control my mind, which is not controllable in the first place. And then I will, someday I'll find little peace. And then it will go away and then start all over again. It's another real meditation is once a person has experienced that infinite bliss, it is, can be grasped by the intellect. Buddhi grahayam atindriyam. It's not something which is promised, which never can be proved. Swami used to say, in our business, there is no danger because we can bluff our way out and nobody can catch us. What is realization? But no, Bhagavan said, that's not true. You will be able to grasp this peace through your buddhi, intellect. But that buddhi is the pure buddhi. The intellect that is not clouded by rajas and tamas. See, we are also very smart find what is right and wrong for us. But all that right and wrong is colored by my vasanas. What my buddhi said, this is good for you, what is not good for you, is all colored by my experiences and my desires and my vasanas. That intellect, which is pure, will grasp that infinite happiness. Vetti yatrana yatra nacha eva ayam sthitaha chalati tattvataha once buddhi grasps that infinite peace, he will never be shaken from that ultimate reality, tattvataha. He will never be able to think other way around. He will never be able to think happiness lies outside. Because his buddhi has grasped that, the reality where the bliss is. So that's a state which only you have to achieve one time. Once you achieve that, nobody will be able to shake you off that realization. Once you realize what is reality, once you wake up from your dream, and you realize what the reality is, no matter how much you convince yourself that, no, 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 the reality was the one which was experiencing the dream. In my dream, I was Bill Gates' boss. Now I woke up. No matter how much I convince myself that no, no, I'm actually Bill Gates' boss, that's not going to work. Because once my buddhi has grasped that what I was experiencing was nothing but a dream, as a waker, I will not be able to go back to that. In the same way, the Upanishad says that the waking world is a dream. We have assigned values to all these objects in our waking world, which is happiness. Once you wake up from this, do you realize that there is no value outside for my own bliss or happiness? And that you cannot be shaken off. Yam labdhvat aparam labham manyate na adhikam tataha. Having experienced that, you will realize there is nothing else greater to be achieved. All my life, everything I have done is to find some peace, some peace some happiness. Well, here is ultimate happiness and ultimate bliss. So there is nothing to be gained. If I suddenly wake up 
and realized that my forefathers used to own the entire real estate in Richmond. It has been always mine, I just did not know. After that, do I have to buy any real estate in Richmond? No. Because everything that is around is mine. Once that bliss comes that only I exist and nothing else, there is nothing else to gain. So, yam labdvacha aparam labam manyate na adhikam tataha. After that, all other gains are very inferior. And therefore, your mind will never long for anything else. Yasmin sthato na dukhena guruna api vichalyate. These are very difficult concepts to grasp. But you have to see it as two different perspectives. See, this world, in architecture, we always have a point of perspective. If I look at the building from here, it looks different. Then I look at the building from that side. That's why we call it a change of point of perspective. So then we change of perspective, it looks different. Bird's eye view, worm's eye view, side view, back views. Same building, but I'm looking at it from a different way. My life also, I'm looking at it from one perspective right now. That perspective is right now stationed in my body, mind, and intellect. I'm seeing my life through my body, my mind, and my intellect experiences. Then I decide whether my life is good or bad. So most people at the end of the life, they decide my life was worthless. You read all the biographies of all the great celebrities. In the end, they were all very unhappy people. And I just saw on one of this show, Bert Reynolds. He's written a new book. Now, why, why all these people write books all the time? To make some money. The guy asked him, he said, is it true that you are bankrupt completely? Uh, then no, it's not true. But now you can tell. At the age of 90 or whatever it is, he has to still struggle to make his living, to keep, keep up with it. So in the end, you come to the conclusion that life is nothing but a chain of sorrows and unhappiness only. Because you are seeing it through your body, through your mind, the intellect. Now you change the perspective. It says, Yam labdvacha aparam labam manyatena adhikam tataha. When I see my life through the perspective of my eternal self, there is nothing else I can gain from this body, mind and intellect's efforts. Yasmin sthitona dukhena guruna apivichalyate. One who is established in that bliss. He cannot be shaken from any misery, no matter how great it is. It tells you two things. That just becoming yogi, your problems won't go away. See, our general conviction is if I am a religious person and oh Bhagawan, look I am living a decent life and coming to temple regularly and praying you make sure that I don't have any problems. Because I don't really have any guarantee like that to you. Your life is nothing but an experiences in this world and I can change that. Those experiences will not change. My body will feel pain, my body will decay, my mind will feel unhappy. Those will not change. But the core of my being whom I consider myself, that will not be shaken by any experience that I'm experiencing. Right now we get carried away by your experience. I'm unhappy in the office, I come home and take out on my family. Well, when I at least get that achievement that I leave my office problem in the office and home problem home, then I've achieved something. But when I achieve a state where 
all problems become somebody else's problem. And not my problem, then my body's problem. These are not my problem, my mind's problem. These are not my problem, my intellect's problem. Then, yasmin sitona dukhena guruna api vichalete, even the greatest misery comes to you. You realize that this is just happening in this world between my body, mind and intellect in the world. So you are not shaken by that. And then comes the definition of yoga. Tam vidyat dukkha sanyoga viyogam yoga sanganitam. All our life we are trying to understand what yoga is. We are heard through our culture, we are heard through people giving lectures. Be a yogi, practice yoga. And we have just learned that if you practice yoga, yoga becomes the remover of all your problems, dukkha. That one who can practice yoga, yoga becomes the remover of all the sorrows. But how is that? The very definition of yoga, Krishna comes up with a very revolutionary definition. Dukkha sanyoga viyoga. Detachment from the attachment to sorrow is yoga. See, right now we are too attached to our sorrow. My sorrows you can't take away. You and Nilkin don't worry about it. No, no, no. What do you know that? I know I have to worry. So I'm so attached to my sorrows. Attached to my sorrows because I'm so attached to my situation that I cannot let go. When it is happening to other person, I can very wisely give advice. People come to me sometimes because I teach Bhagavad Gita and I give very wise advice. Even I get impressed by my own advice that how wonderful. (laughs) But then it comes to me I'm still a miserable person. Why? Attachment to my miseries. I just can shake it off. One who gets detached from this attachment to sorrows, he's a yogi. It's a state of mind where you see your situation as a third party. You can also then give your own self an advice and say, Neil, don't worry about it. If I can listen to my own advice, He said, I have achieved the state of yoga. So the yoga is simply training your mind not to associate with any sorrow as your own. Sorrows do exist. Because we have created this world in black and white, one is good, other is not. There will be sorrow. There will be shades of gray. If it was just one color, then that's not a problem. But the world is of many colors. They will interact with each other and create new shades of color. Those shades of color may or may not be conducive to my liking. But as long as I don't attach to it, then I will not be shaken from my happiness. Tam vidya, knowing that, dukkha sanyoga viyoga. Dukkha sanyoga. Dukkha is you are holding on to dukkha. Dukkha is not holding on to you. Situation will come and go, but we just hang on to it. And sometimes we even remember the unhappiness we had 20 years ago and then feel unhappy again today. So that mindset has to be changed, Bhagavan said. Sa nischayena yoktavyo yogo nirvana chetasaha. This yoga should be practiced with determination, with a mind steady. Constantly think that what is happening to you is not happening to you. It's only happening to the equipment which you own, 
which is your mind, body and intellect. My car is in a garage these days. The light came on, says, engine is overheating, drive moderately and if it comes back again, then get it checked. So I said, oh, that's okay. Next day I draw and it was fine. Third day light came back again. So I took it to the dealer. Now he said, oh, you shouldn't have driven this car because now the engine is damaged. And then he gives me three scenarios that either it will be just the cylinder head gasket is broken, we will fix that and that will cost you $4,400. Maybe the cylinder head is warped, I have to change that and it will cost you $5,800. And maybe the engine is now damaged and it's called $14,000. So I had only one question. I said, how long will it take? He said, six days. He said, can you give me a loaner car? I said, yes. I said, as soon as you give me a loaner car, you do whatever you need to do it to my car. As long as I can drive around, whatever is happening to my car is my car. I told him that. Just look at the first two scenarios. The third scenario, just call me. We'll treat this car, buy a new one. As long as I own that car, all the car's problem are my problem. If I get rid of that car and say, engine, whatever that is, is your problem, Mr. BMW dealership. It's not my problem. Now I just drive another car. And whatever that car is. So as long as I consider these problems belong to my car and not to me, it's easy to deal with. But if I was so attached to my car and say, this is the vintage car and my father bought it and his, my grandfather gave it to him and now he gave it to me. No, no, no. It, then all the problems of the car belongs to me. So Bhagwan said, you live your life as if you're owning this BMW and let it do whatever it has to be done. We'll stop right here. Om Sarve Bhavantu Sukhina Sarve Santu Niramayaha Sarve Bhadrani Pashyantu Ma Kaschit Dukkha Bhagbhave Om Shantihi 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 Harihiyo Shri Guru Bhyo Namaha Harihiyo